Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live mostly every Tuesday and Thursday night from 9 until 11, trying to give you an unbiased, once again, it is going to be biased, I am pro-freedom, pro-individual liberty, and pro-sovereignty. Um, so I don't want a new world order, I don't want global government, and I just want people to leave me alone. Is that so much to ask? It's what our founding fathers wanted. They wanted people to be left alone. They didn't want taxation without representation. The big catchphrase that you hear in all the public brainwashing institutions. No, it's much more than that, everybody. It is much more than just taxation without representation. Because, truth be told, you... um. United States actually went under receivership in 1913. Actually, we went under occupation of a private banking group in 1913 and went under receivership after we filed bankruptcy to the private Federal Reserve. And that's why we have to declare a state of emergency every year because we are owned and operated. And I know that that's going to sound like a crazy conspiracy theory, but... Life's crazy, everybody. That's the truth. So thank you for tuning in. It is podcast number 23 um, on August 15th. Got a ton of stuff to get into today. I mean, a lot of stuff went absolutely bonkers here. Um, Just to give you guys a little tidbit of what's going on. Well, first of all, MSNBC, for whomever's watching, and there's probably a few of you out there, Nobody listens to my show, but if if you know somebody that listens to MSNBC, please send them my way. And I'll give you a non-racist. Everything's racist. It's racist with MSNBC. So evidently, Alex Jones, who has a black man working for him, a Hispanic reporter working for him, is a super racist, according to MSNBC. Once again, treat Alex Jones like any other journalist. But um, when people attack, basically, it's just outright slander. It's not even slander. It's like defamation of character. I mean, there's a whole bunch. He's probably going to sue him. I would sue the crap out of those guys. Not that anybody's watching or that anybody cares. But it's really weird to see people talking about liberty and freedom and them getting attacked on the regular. On the regular. It's just – it's kind of creepy. You know, I was um I was perusing through some videos and I um I enjoyed Anthony Antonello's uh video where he got up and he was at, he was given one minute, you know, in public in his little public forum to actually speak. You know, the gods of government let him speak. So he um he asked the question of anybody in the room who knew what the NDAA was and nobody raised their hands. So it was kind of crazy. 
So it's either you guys are willfully ignorant or you believe that the government loves you and never do anything to hurt you because when has a government ever hurt its citizens? It just doesn't happen. They bring you rainbows and unicorns and sprinkle magic, you know, fairy dust everywhere and make everything just peaches. So I'm going to get into that. Um, I've got a couple of clips here that I really want to get into. One of them is the um, it's a policeman that basically blew the whistle in Auburn, Alabama about them getting encouraged to write tickets, basically go out, go out and harass the public because we need to revenue generate some new um, captain or whatever, whatever shiny badge they give those goobers to show that they're above everybody else and that you're just the peon and you do what we say. So he blew the whistle and got fired and all kinds of good stuff. But, I mean, just a cop doing what a cop is. He's like, I just wanted to serve and protect. <laughs> Not in Soviet America, you don't. You are there to patronize, annoy, and arrest innocent people. And flashbang people that have done nothing. Bust into their house, flashbang them at 7.30 at night. Don't serve the warrant. Don't even show them the warrant. Fuck, I mean, you don't need a warrant anymore in America. You just have to have a SWAT team. Man, that was early for the F-bomb. That was, what, five minutes in? Sorry for that, everybody. But as the world around me implodes and people keep going crazy, I'm probably going to go a little bit more, I would say, um, vocal. And if you're not vocal about any of this stuff, shame on you. It's fun to be vocal about this. Do you know how infatuating and how exciting it is to watch people try to debate me over stuff that they have no idea what they're talking about? It's it's phenomenal. And every libertarian on the planet knows what I'm talking about. If you're like, hey, well, you know, private Federal Reserve was set up in 1913, and ever since then they were set up to do three things, and they've accomplished none of them. So why can't we get rid of them? We – I mean this is – whoa, that's America, man. Actually, that's what we got – Away from when we had the revolution, but whatever. Hey, it everything's fine. Diane Feinstein says that you need to draw a salary in order to be considered a journalist. I think that she needs to just. Can we teleport her back to Nazi Germany? I mean, she would probably be the Führer. She would be married to the Führer. So we got that coming up for you. We've got um, the death toll in Egypt, thanks to your funding from your government, billions of dollars a month, now up to 600 and a couple of thousand people injured as the military goes absolutely bonkers on its own citizens. And, of course, it is um, something that America stuck their nose in and said, well, we got to get rid of this dictator because he's, um, he's flirting with the idea – that we may um we may start trading oil in something other than um than US dollars. And that was both of the guys that got yoinked out of there by the way. But see then you get the propaganda media that comes out and just paints this rosy picture about what America did. We did so well over there. We just we went over there and we liberated the liberated Libya, obviously. We um, 
we went over and and liberated you know Egypt and, and gave them freedom bombs. And so now Rand Paul actually stands up and slams the General Congress and it's like you guys, I tried to get you to stop it last month, and of course all of them go completely berserk when you start talking about cutting any kind of funding. These pigs, I don't even know what to call Congress anymore. You got a seventeen percent approval rating of a dumbed down sheep like public. I mean, you guys are a disgrace. I mean, if the sheeple, the dumbass sheeple that can't understand that we're owned by a private corporate, basically a private corporation, if they can't understand that, but they know that you guys suck, man, guys are doing some real work. Oh, and um, one of my friends turned me on to a website, uh, regular guest on the podcast, uh, Jake Janicki turned me on to what will probably be my entertainment for the next easily a week but it's um it's a website that basically lets you look into every politician see how much money they make see who they're getting funding from who the lobbyists are oh it's gonna be fantastic what's funny is that if you went under dr ron paul and looked under lobbyists there I mean, the guy wouldn't even let them paint his door in Congress because that could be misconstrued as a gift. I mean, that's a hardcore statesman right there. And it would be nice if we had some statesmen. We got like three or four up there, but then they get demonized so bad by the by the mainstream media, and then you get you know Fox News, which isn't really conservative anymore. It's some like neocon crazy. I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Like nobody does any more journalism. It's all like infotainment crap. It's all stuff to entertain the masses while they just, you know, scorch the entire Constitution, put our cops in black uniforms, tell them to write more tickets, tell them to get out there and harass the public, show up at demonstrations in armored vehicles. I mean, that is such freedom. If, if. Literally, if the Founding Fathers woke up today, they would just – they would think that this is – this is oh, did we get reconquered by England? What happened? thought we gave you guys like a little, you know, a couple of documents here. I think called rule of law. We were going to establish a country on rule of law first and not on government. Nope. Completely effed that up. Now we're – well, being loyal to the Constitution means being loyal to the government. No. No. Being loyal to the Constitution means being loyal to the individual, letting the individual have the sovereignty, giving the people the power to govern themselves. I know that's a very radical ideological sentiment for the extreme left-wing authoritarian psychopaths that usually watch CNN and MSNBC, and all they do is just talk about how great – and how smart you guys are, and how stupid Republicans are. Of course, I won't disagree with them on how stupid Republicans are, because there's a lot of people out there that just don't understand that wars begot war, and there's this thing called blowback that will probably come to the American, you know, to the United States one day. But they don't care. They're playing golf, man. Friday at four o'clock, they're out. See ya. I got a meeting. I got. I got to go play some. I got to go play some golf. I got to. A mistress to hang out with at like nine. I gotta pretend like I'm gonna go see my wife and go home, but 
Oh, I saw an incredible quote from Kevin Spacey, who, if you guys have not watched this, it's a um, it's an incredible show on uh, it's on Netflix only, and now it's just completely slipped my mind. But it's a I'll, I'll, it'll snap back into place here in a little bit. I'm just absolutely flustered with what the hell is going on in this country. It's just driving me crazy. It's like I was talking to Jake Janicki before I got on air. And we were just having a conversation about just life in general, and it's like, when will the madness stop? When can there be a day where there's just absolutely no chaos, nobody's demonizing people that want liberty and freedom? I thought that that's what everybody wants as an individual, but now it's like the ultimate sin is to not want government in your life and not be harassed and not be surveilled and not be watched and not be – you know, told what to do and not be henpecked by everybody. It just, I thought that's what everybody wanted. Like, how did I wake up in the twilight zone and people come up? No, no, I love my slavery. I made, I made seventeen points on the stock market the other day. Yeah, you did with inflated dollars at the tune of eighty-five billion dollars a month. Doesn't that sound like fun? We're not monetizing debt though. We're just buying up all these bad, you know, bad bonds. But aren't Bonds, debt, no, that's just, listen, NFL football starts back in like four weeks, college football is in two weeks, and just get ready, and I think that that's when the stuff's going to start going really crazy. Now, that's just my personal opinion. I think that the news will go just completely sideways once the NFL and college football start, because that's when they know that people are not going to be paying attention. I mean, more people in America probably can tell you their starting lineup of their offensive line before they can tell you their congressperson or or, or their senator. I'll just just name one out of all of them. And I know that the television teaches you that politics is boring and all of this stuff is boring. I know. Believe me, I understand how the machine works. Because I came out of the machine, and now when you look at it from the outside looking in… Dude, it's got little traps everywhere for you. I mean, you just come over here. Oh, what's this little fashion? Boom, you're going for like two months in some kind of fashion apocalypse where you're just watching e-entertainment news and trying to figure out what's going to be the next trend and all that stuff. And they get you distracted with all that crap so that you just shift into being a self-centered, narcissistic, empty shell of a person because – when you read the writings of these people, the people that, that run social engineering projects and stuff like that, they believe literally that you're a biological programmable android with no soul. Now, I believe you have a soul. I believe that I have a soul, and I believe that I have free will. They don't believe that you have free will. They believe that you can be conditioned like an animal to do whatever they want. It's kind of like Hitler said, doesn't matter what you think. We got your kids. And once the kids get up and the kids can get uppity, then they're going to start bossing the parents around. They're going to start spying. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over again in history. And now we see it here like it's a good thing. But the, this is America. We're supposed to rally behind the NSA, you know, reading all your emails, text messages, instant messages, being able to go through and data track all your stuff and meta meta stamp all of your communications and then be able to go and recall it with a FISA warrant that's just like a rubber stamp. They walk into the room, bam, you're done. 
Come on. But that's America. That's America. And this is... I don't know why this is. It's like the sheath of ignorance that we all just kind of slide into where we believe that America is such a great company... Excuse me. Freudian slip. Such a great country that... that Nothing could ever happen here. Nothing could ever happen here in in the name of of just it, it, it can't happen in America. We we've got the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all those are gone. Have you guys been paying attention lately? It is all gone. Diane Feinstein once again says that hey. Unless you are a salaried employee of a reputable – I got it here. I'm going to go ahead and read the article. I have got to pull it up. No, this is going to drive me absolutely crazy. So she says unless you're a salaried employee – here we go. This is out of um, Infowars.com. Kirk Nemo wrote this article, but I saw it basically posted everywhere. Diane Feinstein has proposed an amendment to the Media Shield Law, an irrelevant law ignoring protection already afforded by the First Amendment, that would limit the law's protection only to quote unquote real reporters. So people like Jake Counts and people like Anthony Antonello and people like the Journalistic Revolution and Adam Kokesh from Adam vs. the Man and and all the stuff that they do and Trip Pugh and and all of us, if we go out and actually do an investigation, find a story, dig it up, verify the sources, Ben Swan is not a reputable journalist anymore because he's not a real reporter. And it says, not bloggers and other upstart alternative media sites. A real reporter, declared Madam Feinstein during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, is a salaried agent of the of a media company like the New York Times. Yeah, because they never lie. I mean, shit. Found those WMDs, didn't we? Or ABC News. Not a shoestring operation with volunteers and writers who are not paid. Oh, yeah, because heaven forbid we have people out there doing real journalism because they actually care about their community and their country. Heaven forbid. Once again, status people. Sorry. You live. Never mind. Don't want to get into it. Discontinuing with the article, Feinstein voiced her concern that the current version of the bill would grant a special privilege to the people who aren't really reporters at all and have had no professional qualifications like bloggers and citizen journalists. Oh, so we got to be taught like the like good little Soviets how to go and report and spin for for the state. That's Good. Last week, Senator Chuck Schumer, another outstanding New York Democrat, worried the shield law, if passed, would be used to protect whistleblowers and others who fret our government out who are, who, are, who ferret out government corruption. The world has changed. We're very careful in this bill to distinguish journalists from those who shouldn't be protected. WikiLeaks and all of those are in. We've ensured that. Oh, so WikiLeaks isn't protected, even though they're a multi-million 
person organization, excuse me, an organization that millions of people follow because they do real journalism. But there are people who write and do real journalism in different ways than we're used to, and they shouldn't be excluded from this bill. Hmm, there we go. The bill moving through Congress would require the Justice Department to notify reporters it decides to monitor. Oh, that'll be nice. The law would also allow the Justice Department officials to delay notice for a period of 45 days. In addition, it would also permit the Department of Justice to ask for an extension of 45 days. In May, it learned it was learned that the Department of Justice had illegally seized phone records of the Associated Press journalists over a two-month period. Obama's Justice Department did not provide notice nor court-issued warrant prior to violating the confidentiality of the journalists because they're above the law. I mean, Obama's God. Come on, man. I think I'm, I think I'm getting this stuff. If I could just say Obama's God like three times, then a million dollars will appear in my uh, in my bedroom tonight somehow because that one kid prayed to him i mean thank you obama for the drone strikes and everything in response to criticism of the illegal surveillance of journalists the justice department boss eric holder presented rule change from the white house in january excuse me in july the changes will require that journalists involved in ordinary news gathering activities cannot be served with a warrant connected to their investigating work unless the journalist is in question of the subject of a criminal investigation. Because what they'll do there is they'll just say it's espionage if you're trying to do a whistleblowing thing, just like they've done with Bradley Manning and everybody else, and just say, hey, it's espionage. You know, Now you're breaking the law, so now we can investigate. Oh, man, these people are awesome. Okay, so that was Miss Feinstein and all of her love for you, the distinguished individual being the free and beautiful person that I know that you are, but she sees you as a loafal piece of trash, probably like everybody on the Duck Dynasty. Not that they're pieces of trash, but that's probably what she thinks of the entire American public. So moving on from there, what do we have here? Um... Let's. I'm going to go to this clip here, and I do want to talk about this because this is this is becoming a a, a crazy trend on MSNBC. And I don't watch them very much, and I didn't catch this until I saw the re the re airing of it. And so I'm going to play the entire the entire clip here. It's about six minutes long, so strap in, everybody. Or um, since the White House is run by MSNBC, I guess, whatever. Or, excuse me, MSNBC is actually you know, a little extension of the White House. This is kind of the, the policy that you're going to be seeing all over the country. And, um, and me personally, I'm not a, um, not a huge fan. So here is the clip on Alex Jones as MSNBC somehow magically – equates him I'll break down the psychology behind it because of just the terminologies they use and then the the way that they use them in the piece this is completely structured and Alex was talking about this on the show today but it's completely structured and it's and it's meant to deceive the public because they understand how the public's brain operates and that it grabs little tidbits of information, like keywords, kind of like I guess we're like really dumbed down supercomputers. 
And the fact that you're basically grabbing keywords and then you put all those together and they use it as a manipulation tool against the public to show how they can use divide and conquer to get us all in fighting with one another. And basically – and I had this work on some smart people because I, I've i got friends of mine that would just say, well, you know, I do like what Ron Paul has to say, but he is racist. And I just stood there awestruck, and I go, where did you get that? Oh, that's you know, stuff that came out. That stuff that came out. Did you really just say that to my face? But that's what we're facing. So here we go. Here's the um, MSNBC clip, and then I will give you the – the psychoanalysis, I guess, or the psychological breakdown of what they're trying to get across here in this piece. So enjoy, everyone. And um, if you have a barf bag near you, uh, or we could play a new – here, here's a new drinking game. I've got it. I'm sending this. Libertarians, anarcho-capitalists, all of you unite. We are now going to start watching MSNBC, and every time they say racist or race – you got to take a drink. I bet everybody blacks out tonight by midnight. So here we go. Enjoy. I'll tell you how many shots that you probably should have taken um, at the end of this sh- clip. Enjoy. Nearly four months to the day after four people were killed and 264 injured in the Boston Marathon bombing, the case against the surviving suspect is moving forward. In a closed-camera courtroom yesterday, two of Jokar Sarnayev's friends were charged with obstruction of justice and conspiracy to obstruct justice. The two men, both Kazakh nationals, allegedly removed a laptop and backpack from Sarnayev's dorm room and later disposed of the backpack. If convicted, they could both face up to 25 years in prison. The charges come after 20-year-old 20, 20 Jokar Sarnayev pleaded not guilty last month to 30 charges, including the use of weapons of mass destruction. But the bombing suspects may not have been the radical jihadists they were initially believed to be. Older brother Tamerlan Sarnayev was reportedly a fan of far right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. This guy. Hey, listen, I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. Okay, our government in the U.S. is building FEMA camps. We have an NDAA where they disappear people now. Seventy are watching the We have an idiot in the program today. You will not stop freedom. You will not stop the republic. Humanity is awakening. To date, Alex Jones' YouTube channel has over 300 million views. According to the Wall Street Journal, Sarnayev also read white supremacist publications, including The First Freedom, an Alabama-based newspaper that espouses equal rights for whites. As Salon's Alex Seitz Wald writes, Sarnayev illustrates how 21st century anti-government conspiracism melts down typical ideological barriers in a postmodern view of various radicalisms united by a common, deep distrust of the government. Joining us now is senior fellow at the Southern Poverty Law Center, Mark Potok. Mark, thanks for joining us. And we've had you on before to talk about the rise of hate speech, but I feel like this piece, um, the idea that Tamerlan Sarnayev may have been influenced and motivated by some of the stuff that is happening domestically here in terms of far-right conservative fringe movements is fairly shocking. Um, tell us, if you will, a little bit about the rise of hate groups in, in the recent past. Well, we've seen an enormous rise, not only in hate groups, but in uh, so-called uh, patriot groups or militias, uh, really dating back to when uh, Barack Obama first appeared on the political scene in the United States in the fall of 2008. 
uh, starting right then, we really saw uh, these groups start to expand very rapidly. Uh, I think largely in response uh, to the idea that the United States is becoming less white, uh, is demographically uh, not going to be uh, dominated by whites as it has been for most of its history. You know, uh, listening to what to the uh, uh, what uh, Tamerlan Sarnay have read and so on. You know, I think what it shows you in part is uh, that these guys were uh, significantly more Americanized uh, than many of us thought. Uh, they had very much gone down the kind of rabbit hole of conspiracy thinking uh, and absorbed all kinds of ideas. Uh, you know, the world is not as it seems and so on. That's a very American preoccupation. And, and Mark, it was, it's sort of an interesting confluence. And we talk about this happening in some sectors of the American political Scene, which is the, 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 dove, the dovetailing between sort of a radical libertarian agenda and a sort of southern racist post neo-confederate attitude towards uh, governance and, and, and uh, uh, that view informing a certain sector of American politics. Is that recent? Well, I think it, it again is very much tied to the rise of Barack Obama. Uh, you know, certainly the militia movement back in the 1990s saw the government as the enemy, the government of, the, of course, then personified by a relative liberal, Bill Clinton. Uh, now, uh, I think that is sort of redoubled in the sense that not only is Obama relatively liberal, a Democrat, obviously, but he is a black man and represents this very major change out there. So, you know, initially, I think there was some reluctance. Uh, to be openly racist toward Obama, but that I think has more or less dissolved in the last four or five years. Uh, you know, it begins with talk about he's really a Muslim, he's really a Kenyan, he's not like us. Uh, but very soon we get to the place where we're talking about Obama uh, fostering the genocide of white people with Obama encouraging, as, as a, an outfit like World Net Daily says almost every day, uh, black mobs to attack white people, that kind of thing. Well, and you know, so, and, and Mark, I want to open this up to our, our folks here in New York. And, and Michael Steele, the president was, I mean, there, he, when he goes on the road, as yeah. he has in the last couple of weeks, there are people literally, I mean, we talked about this yesterday on the show, standing there saying, Kenyan, go home. You are 47% Negro. Uh, sh you know, people who are running for office who at one point circulated pictures of Obama in sort of African witch doctor costume. The, the racial piece of this uh, isn't going anywhere. I mean, Alex Jones may sound crazy, but still has 300 million YouTube. Uh, well, he had 300 million people that have watched him on YouTube. And that sort of fringe, arch-conservative, uh, deeply I think racist strain is is being tapped into at, at at crazy profit by people in the media. Well, it is, and I think the, the the point you just made is the key thing. At crazy profit, these folks are getting paid to be racist. They're being paid to be ignorant publicly. You know, they, to get out there and espouse these views that a vast majority of Americans don't subscribe to. So you take 300 million views of a particular site. We were just talking about offset. You're talking about a very small percentage of people actually kind of like sitting there going, "Yeah, feed me more." But it does continue the narrative um, of, of the subtext of race and how that plays in, into the stories politically, economically, educationally, and what people come out of, how they come out on the other side of it. And when you have, uh, whether it's these brothers or others who kind of fall into this trap, this mindset, the question then becomes for us going forward is how do we then graduate from just sitting around in your room, you know, musing to standing, going out and publicly holding up a sign saying you're 47% Negro to actually doing what we saw these two idiots do in Boston. Okay. So 
if you were playing the Is It Racist or Black uh, drinking game at home from MSNBC, you have taken seven shots in little under six minutes and 30 seconds. But they don't have an agenda. They're there to give you the unbiased opinion of racism in America. So, I hope the hope he sues the shit out of you guys. It's just so sick. I mean, there is nothing about listening to Alex Jones that is, number one, racist. Number two, that he's uninformed and unintellectual. Holy crap. Whatever. The guy will will break it down in layman's terms how the media manipulates you and how the media will take things and spin them out of context and brings up incredible amounts of information on recall. He, I mean, this is just absolutely asinine. And even Glenn Beck like, defends it in the blaze. So I'm, um, I'm just... I'm just flabbergasted at this point. So, Southern Property Law Center, you guys probably already got me on your docket. So, I'm giving you the big one-finger salute right now. MSNBC, whoever this host lady is, God save you. Your soul is so tainted. Just read whatever they put up on there. You're, But you're in news. You're in news. No, you're not. You're in infotainment. There's been a shift. We understand how it happened. You guys got around the um, the news. I can't remember what the actual act was called, where you were only supposed to give one hour of news per day. And good old Ted Turner circumvented that with CNN, and now they masquerade as a 24-hour news network, which is actually doing some decent journalism as of late. And um, like I said, I got a friend of mine that I won't give his name out, but he works over there. So I, I let him know, hey, you guys are doing a couple of really good pieces out there. So you know, keep up the good work. And just as long as you don't act like this, this is just trash. I mean, who buys this crap? Well, he is racist. Like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, television told me so. So he's got to be racist. So anyway, that is the. Um, it's just silly. It's just silly. I, I don't even need to defend Alex Jones on that. That's just it's so ridiculous. And a couple of other things that they were saying was, um, oh, they talked about that. Oh, it's a rise of a new militia movement. That's bullcrap because the militia movement actually had a rise back in the '90s, and then you guys staged Oklahoma City and tried to blame it on the militia movement, saying that it was people that wanted to return to the Constitution that were the ones that blew up the daycare center and all of that stuff. So it's like you guys think that we don't have the internet or something. Look, anybody over 50, let me tell you something. If you say some shit five years ago, we can find it. I hate to tell you that. So don't act like we don't have a way to go back in time through the internet, which was set up by DARPA, we know, in order to catch everybody in the worldwide net. We understand all that stuff. But now we're using it against you guys, and this is just – its this is fun. I mean I'm sure it won't be fun if I get like you know SWAT teamed and flashbanged and get muzzle sweeped like all my friends did up in Virginia. But, but this is great. 
This is what we need. We need you guys to just fall flat on your face like you're doing. Bring in somebody from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Like we don't know what that outfit's all about. Oh, come on with your hate speech and your hate map. Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. Oh, white people are just pissed because they're not the majority anymore. What? No no white person I know gives a flying crap about race. Nobody. Nobody. None of my black friends care about race. Do I know that this the the, the society that we live in is racist? Absolutely. If you look at the way that I mean just here, here's a good example for you. I've got the stop and frisk. I got a um I got a report that Reason TV did. Fantastic job, by the way. And uh, I'm going to pull it up here. It's about the stop and frisk up in New York City. And I've got enough time to play both the clips, so that's good. But it's it it's about – it was just pure race, which everybody knew. It was stop and frisk. It's like, well, the cop can't stop you and frisk you and whatever. They can do that if they have probable cause. Or you're, you know, a, some, a bank just got robbed and you walk, you walk out of the bank like a minute afterwards. So they can stop you and frisk you if they believe that there's probable cause. They cannot stop and frisk you just because you're walking while black, which is what they said was completely justifiable. It's like, well, he is black in New York City, so I mean, we 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 have that's completely enough grounds to stand on to search somebody. So we are slowly going into a prison system where a guy in a black uniform can just walk up to you on the street and go, stand up against the wall, we're going to search and frisk you. I mean, that is freedom, everybody. God, I can't wait. I can't wait for the FEMA camps. I hope they got got Wi-Fi at the FEMA camps. I hope they got... um, yeah, I hope they got Wi-Fi, and I guarantee you they're going to have some Call of Duty tournaments there, too. So everybody get ready, and maybe poker, who knows? I mean, I joke about this stuff, guys, but this stuff is really serious crap. I mean, if you don't understand the things that I'm saying to you, this is not like some theory. These are all been documented. They tried to pass legislation to build the FEMA camps back in 2000 and, gosh, I want to say 2001, and Congress blocked it. But hey, you know, they don't exist because, well, they didn't sign the law because we all know that government stays well within the boundaries of the law. We just know that. I mean, they're good people. They love you. So here is the uh, first part of the stop and frisk law, which has actually been overturned in New York City. And Mayor Authoritarian Jackass decides that he's going to push back. We're going to appeal this. We're going to appeal this. Such a Napoleon complex little twerp. And I know that he could probably hire somebody to come and whack me, but whatever, dude. If you, if, you, if you're worried about what I'm saying, then you you got some you got some you got some other issues to worry about. So here is the first part of the Reason TV um, stop and frisk. Excellent piece. Um, I'm gonna play the entire thing, but the video is even more powerful because it shows people stopping and frisking, and then up against the wall, and the cops are like, "Ah, oh, well, shit, I'll just body slam you." Bam, freedom. All right, so here we go. Throughout the case, we didn't believe that we were getting a fair trial. And this decision confirms that suspicion. And we will be presenting evidence of that unfairness to the appeals court. 
The NYPD's policing tactic, known as stop and frisk, is an extremely divisive topic with national implications. Supporters say it is a necessary tool for crime prevention. Opponents contend that it has led to routine, wholesale police harassment of young black and Latino men, an opinion held by Judge Shira Shinlin, who in rendering her decision in the federal class action lawsuit Floyd v. New York, declared stop and frisk, as practiced by the NYPD under Police Commissioner Ray Kelly, to be unconstitutional. Sunita Patel, an attorney who litigated the case for the Center for Constitutional Rights, explains. The NYPD stop and frisk practices are a violation of New Yorkers' Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment rights. The New York Police Department has systematically stopped and frisked New Yorkers without reasonable suspicion that's required under the Constitution and in violation of equal protection rights, which means that the stops are based on race or national origin. According to the United States Supreme Court, the police department has authority and has power to stop and frisk individuals who they believe are engaged in the criminal activity or have committed a crime. It is bedrock and fundamental principle that stop and frisk is allowed. What we are trying to achieve is constitutional policing. The problem with the New York Police Department is that you have generalized suspicion. Police officers testified in this case and supervisors testified in this case that young male black is sufficient ground to stop someone. That is just not individualized and it's not reasonable suspicion. Heather McDonald, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute, has written extensively in defense of stop and frisk and rejects the notion that the policy is in any way racially biased. The advocates complain about the number of stops, they complain about the racial disparities in stops. They have never suggested an absolute number or what they think the racial stop ratio should be given what the crime rates are. I would love to have them step up and actually provide a number. The demographics of crime are not proportionately distributed among different racial and ethnic groups. Blacks are being understopped compared to their crime rates. Blacks are 23% of the population in New York. They commit 80% of all shootings, 70% of all robberies, and 66% of all violent crime. They're 53% of all stops. Whites are 35% of the population. They commit a little over 1% of all shootings and 5% of all violent crime. Nobody racially profiles, and the fact of the matter is the kids think they're going to get stopped so they don't carry the gun. And if you can't do that, then you, know, you just turn over the streets to the criminals, literally overnight. The effectiveness of stop and frisk has come into question, as data from 2011 shows about 700 guns were recovered from about 700,000 stops, a success rate of one-tenth of one percent. Still, Police Commissioner Ray Kelly and Mayor Bloomberg cite the Center for Disease Control study stating that gun carrying among teens is lower in New York than in any other major American city. But does this justify the practice? It is a misunderstanding that the only purpose of stop, question, and frisk is to get guns off the street. It is also to avert criminal behavior before it actually becomes a crime. If an officer observes somebody trying all the door handles on a row of cars parked on a street, and he makes a stop and questions Completely that different. person, that Completely will different. not result in an arrest necessarily because there won't be evidence on that person to support a probable cause arrest, but a crime will have been deterred. The fact that there are not an arrest or a summons does not mean that somebody was innocent. But that's, complete, that's completely asinine because if you see somebody going through and checking locks and stuff like that, that's probable cause to go and stop and talk to them. That's so dumb. What a, what an asinine statement to make.
Because everybody's going to hear that and be like, well, that, well, I mean, that just seems reasonable. They should be able to do that. Well, they can do that. If a cop sees you co- committing a suspicious activity, not this stupid see something, say something crap. If they see you committing suspicious activity, they have the right to come over and and detain you for questioning. So what a joke. What a joke. All right, so here's the uh the rest of the clip and then um after that I'm going to have uh we're going to have a break on the backside. So I'm going to play the clip, break it down a little bit more for you guys, and then we're going to take like a two-minute break. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you're listening live, thank you so much. If you want to be part of the show, give us a call here, 602-753-1916, or feel free to join the chat. If you are listening on LMR Radio, which will be Liberty Movement Radio, thank you so much for listening and supporting the cause. Be sure to donate to libertymovementradio.com. Um, over there on the donate button, and you can donate as little as, I think, $2. So, I mean, what's 2 bucks divided by inflation? I can't remember. So, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle, the number one. Be sure to check me out on Facebook, and um, be sure to check out my website. I'm going to update it again this weekend. So, I've uh, been, kind of, been kind of slack. I've had a whole bunch of crap going on in my life, but just like everybody else. And then I get bombarded with news four hours before the show, so I have to sift through all of this craziness and try to bring you something that might get you a little bit informed and also point you in the right direction, which would be truth, liberty, freedom, and unity for everybody. Oh, yeah, and love. Can't forget about that. Fear will get us nowhere. Love will get us out of everything. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the second half of Stop and Frisk. So much fun to have your rights violated under the guise of keeping you safe. And keeping everybody else safe. We're just keeping people safe. I mean, shoot, why don't we just have um, Thought Police next? Which is probably what it's going to because she's like, well, that'll deter people. So maybe we should just have big giant armored vehicles sitting out in front of your driveway because that will keep you from committing crimes if we just put armored vehicles out in front of every house in America. And then put a soldier in it. Or hell, why don't we just put a soldier in the house and just piss all over the Third Amendment? That would be fun. All right, so here we go, everybody. Enjoy the rest of Stop and Frisk. Everyone agrees that Stop and Frisk is constitutional in theory, and that the police are required to have individualized suspicion before stopping someone. So how does the NYPD ensure officers have a good reason? The New York Police Department requires police officers to complete what's called a UF-250 form. Officers can just check boxes. And when you have a system where there's a check of a box and no questioning of the facts underlying the check boxes, you have a supervisory structure that allows unconstitutional policing to happen. In 2011, close to 50% of the stops were recorded that there were furtive movements and that was the justification for why the person would stop. Apparently, everything that a black or Latino young person does in the city is considered furtive. If I see a police officer and I turn the other way, am I suspicious? Maybe I've been stopped numerous times and I don't want to deal with police that day. I'm 33. 33? And you say you've been stopped about 25 times in your life? They will say that it looked like you was fidgeting or... To them, we're supposed to always notice them, and I guess and if we just do something like dig in our pockets, that's we're putting something away or hiding something. The other day, somebody over here got killed. And they come in and arrested somebody who didn't have ID. He was 14 riding a bike on the sidewalk. Like, y'all should be more into who did that instead of who riding a bike on the sidewalk. That shit got nothing to do with it. What the police do is they come into a neighborhood like this 
and they stop everybody. They they don't give a damn. They don't have a description. They just think they're gonna luck up and get somebody. But that's not right. That's against the Constitution, which I carry in my pocket. Have you ever been arrested after a stop and frisk? No, never. Not after. Anybody you know uh, ever been stopped and frisked and compelled to produce marijuana out of yeah, the pocket? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It happens all the time. Right here. You know, it seems to be the easiest way to lock us up, I guess. While supporters of stop and frisk point to lower rates of gun carrying, stop and frisk has also led to a dramatic increase in marijuana arrests. Yeah, yeah they arrested me after they stopped and frisked me. For what? I had a bag of weed on me. Yeah. And I said I do not consent to the search, so they still went down with it. I don't know why. Having marijuana in your pocket is not a criminal activity in New York City. The police will unlawfully search someone, pull out their marijuana, and then they have grounds to arrest that person because it's in plain view. Sometimes they say, hey, empty your pockets. It's not a consensual encounter. They don't have a choice. They empty their pockets and there might have been marijuana in it. Even supporters of stop and frisk are troubled by its use as a means of making marijuana arrests. I have a big problem with the officers who were making an arrest for public possession of marijuana as a result of a search. That was clearly a misunderstanding of power or an abuse of power. New York Police Commissioner Ray Kelly agrees with that. Uh, he's issued training orders to confirm that that is not the intent of the law. Despite Commissioner Kelly's admonition, 400,000 New Yorkers have been arrested for minor marijuana charges on his watch, with 50,000 arrests just last year. During the Floyd trial, State Senator and former NYPD Captain Eric Adams testified that Commissioner Kelly admitted to using stop and frisk to instill fear in minority communities as a means of keeping guns off the street. The NYPD has this very rogue attitude that it's okay for them to engage in unlawful behavior because they're the biggest, because they believe they are the best. We have high-level officials who testified in a manner that makes it very clear that they believe that civilian complaints around stops and frisks are just par for the course, that if officers are out there doing their job, that they will get civilian complaints, which sort of undermines the idea of structural accountability around police efforts. Judge Shinlin's decision in Floyd versus New York also names an independent monitor of the NYPD. This comes on the heels of the City Council's recent decision to create an NYPD Inspector General. Mayor Bloomberg, whose term ends on New Year's Day 2014, reacted strongly to the verdict. If somebody pulls a gun and you want to get home to your family, you don't have time to say, well, now wait a second, the commissioner said one thing, the monitor said another, and the IG said another? By that time, you're dead. And I'd like to see you go to the funeral and explain to the family why their, why their son or husband or father is not coming home at night. The consequences are massive. A, fiscal consequences. She's going to saddle the department with enormous bureaucracy, give them a federal monitor who will impose preposterous paperwork requirements, mandates for racial data collection. Number two, it is going to make officers unwilling to use their constitutional powers of observation and discretion to question people engaged in suspicious behavior. And eventually, word is going to get out on the street that you don't have to worry about being stopped. Gun carrying is going to go up again. This suit is going to spread nationwide, and it could ultimately put the national crime drop at risk as well. Stop and frisk is not going anywhere. The police department is going to use it. And in the Floyd lawsuit, we're not seeking to end the practice. I have confidence that whoever the next mayor is and whoever the next police commissioner is will hopefully take a different approach.
they will decide that constitutional policing, non-discriminatory policing, should be the law of the land. In the introduction of her decision, Judge Shinlin made it clear that whether or not stop and frisk is an effective crime preventer is irrelevant. What is relevant is whether or not a policy that allows state actors to interrupt the lives of citizens millions of times over is constitutional. So there you go. But the one thing that I think is really funny about that whole report, and excellent job to Reason.TV, um, the one thing I find funny about that whole thing is that it's like, well, we've made over 400,000 arrests um, for simple marijuana possession. Yeah, we probably shouldn't have been doing that. We're going to change our policy now. Now, 400,000 people later, you decided that maybe you want to curtail it a little bit. Don't act like you guys are some out for the, the betterment of New York City. Give me a break, Mayor Bloomberg. All you want to do is boss people around and tell them what to do and sit there on a power trip because you're five foot two. Look, I'm a small-statured man. I get it. I get being bullied by big people. I get it. But running around acting like a complete lunatic and saying that it's okay for people to stop and frisk, once again, it is their constitutional right if they're doing it properly. But the the key word there is properly. This is not being executed properly if you've got 400,000 people that are arrested because some cop says, well, you got to turn out your pockets, and these people don't know any better. They're like – the guy said he doesn't consent to the search, and they're like, well, make, they're going to rip it out of your pocket anyway. Then you sue them. All right, give me your badge number. I don't consent to the search. If you, if, unless you come back with a warrant, I'm going to sue you. Official oppression. I'm going to sue you. You're violating my constitutional rights. Just everybody get knowledgeable on the law and sue the shit out of these people. I mean, get pissed. I, I don't understand how nobody's mad. And it's like I have little pockets of people that are mad, and then I have this giant mass of people that just – they don't care. It's really sad. But hey, I care enough for all of you guys because you know what? I fight for liberty and truth and, and no BS, not for me. I fight for my family. I fight for my wife, my child. I fight for you. I fight for the listener. I fight for everybody because it's silly in this day and age that we can't find something better. And then the government's reaction to us even having a debate about finding something better is to just crack down in black uniforms and SWAT vehicles everywhere and just crazy authoritarian stops, stop and frisk, body slams. That's fine, and that's, that's keeping you safe. It's, it's not the government's responsibility to keep you safe. Their responsibility is to make sure that no country comes and invades our ass. Their responsibility is not to keep you safe. That's on you, and that's on your local area, not on Mayor Bloomberg and, and their entire you know, overblown New York police force. And then they're talking about, well, it's going to cut funding. Dude, just go out and write more tickets. We know what you guys are doing. You're revenue generating. You probably got a nice little score sheet in there, and that's what my next article is going to talk about. So, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to take a break here for about two minutes. Let me find a good. Um, oh, we'll we'll go to that one here in a minute. That's Obama talking about the world will boil over if um, if Africa goes into the to first world status. It'll just be. Just be crazy. Be absolutely crazy. So here we go. 
I'm going to leave you guys with some JFK for two and a half minutes, and I'll be back on the backside to take you home for the balance of the second hour. Still a bunch of stuff to come up. Rand Paul slamming everybody in Congress saying, I told you so. Shocker there. And uh, a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of other clips to get into. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I'll see you on the backside. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the Mayor very Bloomberg. limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. Yeah, buddy. So there was probably one of the last presidents that we ever had in this country that wasn't just a complete figurehead and sell out to the global corporate crime syndicate. So it's always good to hear his voice, and that speech is always really, really enticing to me. So thanks for um, thanks for hanging on, man. Second half is coming right up. Let's get into let's get into what's going on in Egypt. Woohoo! Good job, government. So this is from the New York Times. So um, brace yourself. This might be a little bit. This might be a little bit skewed, and it looks like the article is not too long. So I'll just read the first couple sections of it. it. Says the death toll in Cairo has now surpassed 600 on Thursday from Egypt's bloodiest crackdown on supporters of its disposed Islamist president as a violent new protest erupted in the country 
and the world condemnation widened, including an angry response by President Obama and calls for the suspension of European economic aid. In defiance of calls for restraint of Europe's or Egypt's Interior Ministry warned protesters that police officers were authorized to use lethal force to protect themselves, which means go out and slaughter people. The ministry also promised to punish any, quote, terrorist actions and sabotage. At least two government buildings were burned early on Thursday. The ministry also was given instructions to forces to use live ammunition in the face of any attacks on establishments or forces within the framework of the regulations using legitimate right of self-defense, the ministry said in a statement. All forces assigned to securing and protecting these establishments were provided the weapons and ammunition necessary to deter any attacks that may target them. The scorched earth assault by security forces on Wednesday, which raised two protest camps in, in Cairo set up by backers in, of the dis, disposed um, President Morrissey were far more ferocious and intensive than the gradual pressure promised by the interim government that had replaced him. It was easy. To, it was easily the most violent three deadly suppressions that have rolled through Egypt since Morrissey's Egypt's first freely elected president, mm, sure, was forcibly removed by the power of the armed forces six weeks ago plunged the country into the worst crisis since the outset of Morsi's authoritarian predecessor, Hazi Mubarak, in 2001. Okay. Oh, yeah, he was authoritarian, let me tell you what. But hey, but the military's fine. The military running the country's fine, sending money, that's good. Despite the growing tally of the dead, the Muslim Brotherhood supporters and Morsi exalted followers to take to the streets on Thursday and Friday, defiling the newly imposed state of emergency and reflecting the backlash against the military-appointed successor to Morrissey's administration, who'd appeared determined to crush the Islamists as a political force. Hundreds of Morrissey supporters marched through Alexandria, Egypt's second-largest city, clashing with the police. In Giza, across the Nile from and from Cairo and near the pyramids, Islamists attacked the Provocal, or excuse me, provincial headquarters with the Molotov cocktails and set it on fire. Good for you guys. Islamists also blocked the main highway uh, encircling Cairo. The landmark El Alim Mosque in Cairo's Nazar city, which has been converted into a makeshift morgue where more than 200 bodies were petrifying under melting ice, was raided last last. Raided late in the day by police forces who fired tear gas into the mourners trying to find relatives, Islamist activists reported. The Freedom and Jury Party, the political party of Morrissey and the Muslim Brotherhood, said in the statement that the police had been demanding the, the mourners inside get out of the mosque one by one and to surrender. Oh, that's that's freedom. It's coming here. Woohoo! God, that's going to be awesome. Amar Online, the website of Egypt's official paper, said that as many as 30 churches across the wide swath of of the country were completely devastated in reprisal attacks by the furious Islamists who vented their rage over the mass killings of at Egypt's Christian minority. The first response of the mass killings, Mr. Obama strongly condemned the... Oh, good for you. Strongly condemned them. 
Egyptian government's use of brutal force to crush protests said the United States can had canceled military exercises with Egypt's armed forces scheduled for next month. Oh, good for you guys. That's a good posturing move. Keep sending the money, though. Mr. Obama also warned that further unsuspected or unspecified steps in Egypt's interim leaders continue down what he called a more dangerous path. He said, but nothing about cutting the, yeah, there it is, the $1.3 billion in annual military aid that the United States provided to Egypt and the knowledge that the United States has historically regarded the country as a friend and a cornerstone for peace in the Middle East. Is that just like some kind of odd play on words? In Europe, other some officials called for a suspension of aid by the European Union, and at least one member state, Denmark, cut cut funds off. Wow! There are people with consciousness out there. That's amazing. France's president summoned the Egyptian ambassador to condemn the violence. Ooh, good for you. Once once again, just wagging a lot of fingers at these people. That's that's how you deal with a bunch of you know. Corrupt military people that have taken over the country. That's how you deal with it. Egypt Islamists continue to lash out across the country. Scores of them block many of the highways circling the capital. In Alexandria, hundreds battled with opponents in the police force in the streets, and health officials said that at least nine died. Other hurled firebombs and ignited pro- provincial government headquarters near the pyramids in Giza. At the lay string of attacks that cropped at Christian churches and business, at least one or more churches were set fire in front of them outside the mosque in Cairo. Some of the Islamists contended that the Coptic Pope, Tartarus II, and appeared to endorse the crackdown, and they portrayed the attacks on the churches when around the country as a counterattack. When Pope Tartarus comes out after a massacre to thank the military and the police, he didn't accuse me of sang- secretarianism, said... Muhammad Mahadi, a 35-year-old and an accountant. The, the Islamist movement, usually known for, usually known here for its tight discipline, appears to to slip loose from its leaders, entering a perilous new ground," said Ali Farlaka, an executive with a multinational company who was waiting outside the mosque. Forget the leaders now," he said. "The streets are leading this, and and when things get out of control." Of the leaders, no one can predict the situation. This is getting super crazy. But everything's fine. Football comes back in two weeks. But if the Alamosis hoped that Wednesday's violence could return, could could turn the rest of the country against the military-dominated government, there were a few signs of it on Thursday. Mohammed Barzi, a interim vice president and a Nobel Peace Prize winner, I wonder if he's like Obama and just drops bombs on people was the only official to sign over the crackdown and was widely criticized for for it in both the state and private media. The the ultra-conservative NOR party, the the liberal April 6th group, and the far-left revolutionary socialists spoke out against the killings. Most of them, particular factions, denounced the Islamists as terrorist threat and applauded the government action. When the main Islamist satellite networks were shut down by the new government, Egypt's state and private television focused coverage on unsustainable allegations, unsubstantiated, excuse me, unsubstantiated allegations that the Islamist sit-ins had posed a terroristic threat 
or that their participants first shot at the police. Unlike newspapers around the world, none of the major Egypt dailies put a picture of the carnage on the front page on Thursday. It's kind of like here in America. They never show you what goes on in other countries. Everything's fine. And it goes on for a little bit longer. So that is what happens when we go in metal. Doesn't that sound like fun? Let's go to destroy some more countries. Hey, we're going to do that in Syria. We're going to free them over there and then leave them in shambles. And everybody will get their no-bid contracts and and uh, everything's fine. Global empire wins again. Woohoo! So... Continuing on the Egypt um, front, and this is from the Foreign Policy blog, it says, Rand slams Congress for funding Egypt's generals. How does your conscience feel now? In quotes. Well, Rand, seems as though they're a bunch of criminals, I don't really think that they care. As long as they get to play golf this weekend. Remember, they get their break. They're going on break, and everything's fine. <laughs> Senator Rand Paul is handling a few of his senators for keeping billions of financial aid flowing to Egypt's military, even as Cairo's security forces massacre anti-government activists. Once again, they're not pro-freedom activists. They're anti-government, always. This is something to that those who voted in Congress are going to have to live with, Paul told the cable on Thursday. The question is, how does their conscience feel now that they've seen the photographs of tanks rolling over Egyptian citizens? They don't care, dude. As the official Egyptian death toll climbs to over 638, the legislation the Kentucky Libertarian is referring to is an amendment to suspend aid into Egypt until the country holds free and fair elections. Two weeks ago, Republicans and Democrats rejected it with an overwhelming 86-13 to 13 vote, and top, and top lawmakers from both parties protested it loudly because they're all bought and paid for by the same global crime syndicate. Too much money to be made. Keep the funding going. Bury your heads in the sand. Everything's fine. This amendment may be good politics, but it's bad policy, said Bob Menendez, a Democratic chairman of the Senate and Foreign Relations Committee. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, you don't say it this time. Uh, it will be, a, oh, and here comes my favorite. It will, be a, it will be a terrific mistake for the United States to send a message to Egypt that you're on your own, said Senator John McCain, battled back. I urge my colleagues to vote to table the Paul Amendment. Of course you would, you warmongering jackass. How's your um how's your border doing over there in Arizona that you were gonna fix? Oh, that's right, you didn't. Voter had already come back from to haunt some lawmakers, such as McCain, who is now advocating the cancellation of aid to Egypt after criticizing the White House policies as a colossal failure. Once again, the fake opposition of John McCain, you have to love it. Between him and Chris Christie, I don't know who's the bigger demon. I really don't. Congress is way out of touch on this issue, said Paul, and the people who believe in projecting American power really believe in projecting American weakness. They don't want us to respond to words with actions or obey our own laws. That's right. Yeah, we just do whatever we want. Earlier today, President Obama announced the cancellation of a joint military exercise with Egypt, but didn't cut off the $1.3 billion in funding in the in military aid that the United States provides this country. 
And he says, in quote, while we want to sustain our relationship with Egypt, our tradition of cooperation cannot continue as usual when civilians are being killed in the streets and the rights are being rolled back, said Obama. That's good rhetoric, man, but we know you're not going to do crap about it, so enjoy. Paul called the decision a cop-out. Yeah, no crap. Too little, too late, he said. If you wanted to send a message to the military, you should have let them know they weren't getting any more planes. You should have let them know they weren't getting any more tanks that they're now using to run over their citizens with. It's awesome. Defenders of the U.S. military aid to Egypt, such as the Council on Foreign Relations, a shocker, Richard Haas, Says the U.S. can't afford to lose its influence in Egypt. No, it can't. You guys have way too much stuff out there. The largest country in the Arab world and a neighbor to the U.S. ally Israel. Others have warned that Paul's desires to disengage with the world will make the U.S. more vulnerable. And charge Paul disputes. Of course it will make us, what, more vulnerable to what? You guys not getting your no-bid contracts? Unbelievable. This mindset that if you don't give the people money and weapons and you're not in, you're not engaged is bizarre, he said. I want to engage with the world. I just don't want to engage in battle. Oh, there you go. That was a good one. For those who think more weapons is engaging us with the Egyptian people, ask an, ask an Egyptian, he continued. When you're protesting in the streets and you're run over by an American tank, you're not going to appreciate your American engagement. Wow, man, Rand Paul's getting hardcore. I love it. I love it. Unbelievable. Oh, and now, like, the government's going to come out and tell us that Area 51 exists now. Like, once again, like, we don't have Google Earth or whatever. So, that was Rand Paul's take on what is going on over in Egypt. So... That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, in my lifetime, that is probably, and I don't know if it's just because of my attentiveness to politi- geopolitical situations all around the world now, or if it's just my empathy for people around the world that I've that I've become more in touch with over the last couple of years. But watching the American philosophy, excuse me, the American Empire's philosophy on funding radical jihadis, funding coups, overthrowing leaders, and then giving the government over to quote unquote free elections, and then shocker, the Muslim Brotherhood gets in there and starts going absolutely bonkers. So then the people tell the military that they need to do something. So the military steps in. And now it's just, well, now the other political side is coming in, and now they're getting in a squabble. So, I mean, just absolutely crazy. I wanted to take my kid to go see the pyramids. That probably won't happen until the kid's 30 years old now, if the pyramids are still there. I don't know. If we send a bunch of drones over there, we might be able to take out the pyramids, the whole nine. But then Obama can get another peace prize if we send – I guarantee if we send them more money, more tanks, and then send them drones so that the government could protect itself from heaven forbid the citizens, then um, yeah, that's another peace prize. I'm pretty sure of it. Pretty sure you – I mean you want to cinch one up, Obama. Go ahead, man. 
Send over some more troops, send over more guns, send over tanks, send it all over. But cancel the drill. Ah, we're canceling that joint exercise. Actually, you might want to send to the Department of Homeland Security over there. They can have a joint exercise with the military to show the Department of Homeland Security how it's really done. Because they're getting ready. They love it. They are getting ready. Police chiefs are calling for these armored battalion crap all over the place. This is just bonkers. So this next one is um, out of Benswan.com. I love this guy. Hopefully I will be able to um, to get him on to, um, to my podcast. I got my uh, got my friend that's going to hook me up with his contact. There's people's contact. So maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to get Ben Swan on for an interview, which would be awesome because I'd like to talk to him about the the marketing side of it and what really goes on behind the scenes during like an edit down and a boil down and how they choose the phrases that they're going to load in the teleprompter. I want to get I want to get the whole kit and caboodle from him. Cuz I'm coming in from it from a a marketing perspective and I see how they produce it, to see the framework, the way they the word things and I, I just want to get his take on all that stuff. So here we go. Police chief calls the, quote, free state project members of domestic terrorists. Oh, of course, if you want liberty and freedom, you are a right-wing extremist terrorist um, racist. That's pretty much it. If you want liberty, freedom, and the government to leave you the F alone and you don't want to pay any tax money to a private banking group, then you're a racist, terrorist, right-wing extremist. So the article says, the government's treating citizens as potential terrorist threats have been dis- on display in the past couple months in the series of revelations about the NSA, the IRS, and the DOJ. In March of 2009, a leaked secret report, and this MIAC report, which I posted on my website, go read it, it's a lot of fun, it says, and it says Missouri Information Analyst Center, profiled third-party supporters, homeschoolers, people who knew about the Constitution, people who have related bumper stickers on their cars, fly a flag, or even invest in gold or potential domestic terrorists. Also says if you um, if you don't want – if you have a get-out-of-the-UN sticker and if you um, support Ron Paul or Bob Barr, you are a domestic terrorist. So in 2009, the Department of Homeland Security posts the right-wing extremism, current economic and political climate, fueling the resurgent in radicalism and recruitment. I also have posted that one onto my website as well. I need to post all of these in just one little spot so everybody can go read them. It's just absolutely bizarre. Many of the same sentiments and targeted the same people. It wasn't too long afterward where at that the flag at whitehouse.gov scandal emerged, which the White House asked people to report on their friends, families, acquaintances, colleagues, and neighbors who disagreed with Obamacare. Yes. But that's not spy on your neighbor. This is not Nazi Germany, I promise you, because we're in America. The flag is a different shape. It's a different color. It's got stripes on it. That'll never happen here. Even though they're going through the exact same thing, that whatever. Yeah, history's crazy. But humans do the same thing over and over again, and if you don't learn from it, then you are a dumbass. Sorry. Did not mean to call my people a dumbass, but you know what? We're dealing with some hardcore cognitive dissonant people out there. So continuing in the article, in January of 2013... 
Ari Pleasure, the director of terrorism studies at West Point's Combating Terrorism Center, published a paper titled Challengers from the Sidelines, Understanding America's Violent Right Wing. How are we? I don't understand how we're violent. This is so weird. It's like Alan Kokesh is a dangerous man. Like, I I saw him go to an anti-gun rally holding up a sign that says, I'm a gun owner, let's talk. Not, I'm a gun owner, I'm going to shoot you. I mean, come on, people. Oh, and he's still not out of jail yet. Yeah, throwing him under the jail. Everything's fine. Government loves you. In the document, he identified racist slash white supremacists, anti-federalists, and fundamentalists as a, as three far right-wing groups responsible for the dramatic rise in attacks and violent plots in America. Where? Where are these plots? He identifies anti-federalists as those who discuss an object to a new world order. Oh, shit. I guess I'm in trouble. And those who feel the federal government is corrupt and tyrannical, infringing on constitutional rights. You know what? You're right. The government loves me. I'm sorry. It's not taking away any of my civil liberties. It's not taking away my freedom of speech. Diane Feinstein just wants me to be paid uh, a paid propagandist, and then and then I'm okay to call myself a journalist. So everything's fine. Ben Swan, you are the man, by the way. In the political environment, when profiling citizens is more about freedom and less about government is the quote new norm. That Concord, New Hampshire. Police Chief Dave Duvall filed an application for Homeland Security asking for over $250,000 to purchase a Bearcat armored vehicle after the ACL submitted a public records request. Shocking political profiling was revealed. Oh, here we go. Get ready. God, this is so crazy. Is this America? What country am I in? This is so crazy. We need an armored vehicle over here to combat these terrorists, right-wingers. Like, what? We can't even have a simple disagreement with the way that we're supposed to be governed? We're just terrorists? This is crazy. Oh, man. Now I can see why people want to leave this country. Holy crap. This is just bizarre. It says, we are fortunate that our state has not been victimized by a mass casualty event. Oh, from international terrorism strike because they're everywhere. They happen every day here in America. We're very fortunate that we have one terror attack every 10 years and Americans pee themselves. Most of them staged, set up by the FBI, and then they bust the person, which came out in the New York Times. This is just ridiculous. Stop being afraid, people. There are no terrorists. They're terrorist cells, yes. That is probably true. There's also double agents and triple agents. It's not just in the movies. That's real-life stuff. But don't go around peeing yourself because you think that just because some guy has got a Don't Tread on Me shirt on that he's going to walk out and blow anybody up. This is silly. Okay, here we go. Oh, my God, here we go. I'm going to start reading again so I can puke. We are fortunate that our state has not been victimized from a mass casualty event from international terrorism strike. However, on a domestic front, the threat is real and here. Oh, really? It's it's there in fucking New Hampshire? Give me a break. Groups such as the sovereign citizen that want the government out of their life and leave them the F alone. 
free staters, once again, that want the government out of their life and want to be able to trade with other human beings, holy crap, occupied New Hampshire are active in present daily challenges. Oh, they're challenges. A bunch of nonviolent citizens. Oh, my gosh. Keeping you guys from doing what up in New Hampshire? You have this, one of the smallest states in the union. Get over yourself. Outside of the official organized groups, there are several homegrown clusters that are anti-government. Hi, I'm raising my hand. I am not anti-government. I am anti-this government. This is ridiculous. And pose problems for law enforcement agencies. End quote. From Concord, New Hampshire's application to DSS for formal armored vehicle. The Free State Project is an organization trying to persuade 20,000 or more. This is this is freaking terrorism, if you've ever heard it. Ready? Liberty-loving people, people, neighborly, productive, tolerant folks from any and all walks of life. Oh, my God, arrest them all. They're racist. That's racist right there. MSNBC, go get them. I want a hit piece coming out tomorrow on the racist um, free staters. The end goal of this is to help more people who may want to move or feel unsure that New Hampshire will maintain its small government attitudes, feel more secure in their decision to move to the Garnet State. Granite State, sorry. Whatever. New Hampshire is the last swing state in the Northeast and New England and makes it a very attractive destination. Though the Free State Project is not a political action organization, it does not run or endorse political candidates or legislation. And though only seven members of the project live in Concord, the organization was targeted. Of course, I mean, want freedom, that's terrorism. Freedom is the new terrorism. So ridiculous. Occupy Wall Street and sovereign citizen movements are more politically active. Their actions are far from, quote, terrorism which most people's minds mean ideologically motivated violence and incidents. DHS approved the grant application. Good for you guys, spending our tax dollars wisely, sending an armored vehicle into a very low populated area. But people are now calling for the funding to be removed. The reference funding issue says that Concord is nonviolent and it does not need a $250,000 tactical armored vehicle in which it cannot buy with its own money. Why we feel the federal government should pay for this? Because they can. And somebody's got a contract with somebody. That's all it is. Mostly, though, the opposition is due to blatant unfair politi political profiling. The grand specificity states that the, fund the funding may be... <sighs> Subpoenaed or terminated by filing a false certification in this application. And we got a little bit more to go through here, so everybody bear with me stumbling and bumbling around on this. I've also got audio of a guy going to the town hall on this and going absolutely crazy. It's awesome. Which is what we all should do. I mean, if I found out we were going to get a war wagon here in, in, um, in Duluth, I would go completely bonkers. But the Free State Project... Oh, sorry. Uh, got lost. Oh, here we go. The DHS approved. Nope, oh, already read that. The Free State Project demanded a retraction in the amendment and grant the application to remove references to the organization and its members and itemized list by the calendar day and of the daily challenges presented by the quote Free Staters to the CPD and a written letter of apology from both the city and the CPD. 
Concord City Council has delayed the decision on whether or not to accept the grant. So far, the demands have not been met. Somebody's getting paid off here. Probably all the city council members are in the pocket of this guy. Somebody's getting a couple grand to sign this thing, something. Local politicians are easy. Just pay them a couple grand and you can throw tyranny right into their backyard. They don't care. At a city council meeting, after no response was received, Carla Clark, the president of the organization, demanded the resignation of all the officials involved. At a girl. Estimated 200 people came out to protest the Bearcat. Good. Carla Gleeks, the president of the Free State Project in the public hearing, stated, We are here today as a great number to raise our voices and protest the manufactured, false, misleading, fraudulent, and secret claims that Thomas S. Peel, city manager Jonathan Duvall, the chief of police in the federal grant application for Concord's ballistics and engineered armored response counterattack vehicle. Really? That's what it's called? Huh. Oh, the bear. Sorry. As the president of the Free State Project, I have publicly called for the retraction of the amendment to the Homeland Security Grant. I've also a list of daily challenges presented by Free Staters. Lastly, I request the public letter to apologize the defamation of 14,600-plus Free State participants, none of which requested and have been met, although Chief Duvall has since backpedaled in the statement saying that he was not president for the domestic we saying we did not represent a quote domestic terrorist threat. Well, good. Radley Balco states in the white paper overkill the rise of the paramilitary police raids in America. Over the last twenty five years Americans seen a disturbing militarization of its police, blah 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 blah, and it goes on. And that is it. So great job, Ben Swan. And um this is real, folks. This is real. I mean, I don't know how else to explain this to you, but if you are not paying attention right now, and if you are not thinking that we live in absolutely crazy times, that that the police force is militarizing against the American people all over the country, the free staters, the liberty-loving super hippies are terrorists, give me a break. Al-Qaeda is a freaking terrorist organization, and our government funds them. How Orwellian do we need to get? Al-Qaeda was one of the reasons that we gave up our liberties, even though we started you – know, whatever. I don't even want to get into it. Everybody knows how Al-Qaeda got started. We developed them to go in there and attack the Russians in Afghanistan. Just so crazy. I just want all this stuff to get reversed. Hey, can we stop NATO now? I thought Russia is like a you know happy fun time now. Do we need NATO anymore? That was the whole reason we built up NATO. Can't we just delete? Oh no, no, we well, we need it now. Just more bureaucracy, more government, more intrusion, more harassment. I absolutely can't stand it. This is not America. This is not a free society anymore. It's so ridiculous. And you got people just parading around wanting to go wanting to go to the football game. I don't care if TSA reached down my pants at the football game. I got nothing to hide. I ain't no terrorist jihadi. I don't know. Are you a do you are you a right winger? Do you own guns? I do own guns. You're a terrorist. Sorry, sir. You lose. Do you believe in the Constitution? Yep, you're a terrorist. Come on. Soviet States of America. Anybody that doesn't like Obamacare is a racist. Remember the new MSNBC drinking game will be um, will be commencing. 
I might have to do a, a live. Might have to do a live show where we get just and just do like thirty minutes or something and get a couple of the uh, the guys that I run podcasts with on occasion to where we'll all just sit there and stream MSNBC with a um, with a beer or something next to us and and see who can make it through the thirty minute show with them saying racist or black or. All it is is just people that are scared of a black president. Give, give me a break. They're not mad at Barack Obama for being black. They're mad at him for taking the Constitution, wiping his ass with it, and then lighting it on fire, and then telling everybody what a great constitutional scholar he is. Yay! Okay, so here is the clip of the of the gentleman... I think this is in Connecticut. I think this is part of that little group right there. And uh, don't you know? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it might be. And um, talking about how we're building a domestic army, and he's a former colonel. And yeah, it's coming. Woohoo! It's like it's the crazy. It's like the government's a bunch of children. Did you take the cookie? No, we didn't take that cookie. I would never take a cookie without asking. Are you guys building a militarized police force to take on the American public and dissenters that don't like global government and don't want to go along with a communist takeover? No, we're not doing that. Why would we do that? We don't want a cookie. And I'm not saying that this stuff is going to happen. But I mean, hell, just look at the fruits of what's going on here. And you give me a viable solution. You give me a reasonable response for buying two point what two point two million bullet billion bullets now. Armor vehicles seven thousand plus over the last five years. Little towns getting domestic armored vehicles to take on free staters. Give me a break. And the only way we can stop this is if we speak up. And if we don't speak up, we're going to get steamrolled, and it's going to be no fun. I personally like living in America. I like. The conveniences of modern technology, but guess what? If you got a bunch of people that don't pay attention, a bunch of tyrants are going to get in control, and they're going to shut down your liberties. Guess what's going on? Because they're all bought and paid for, and they know how to bribe these people. Lindsey Graham is probably gay, and they've got him blackmailed, something hardcore. Something hardcore. Got some pictures of that guy. I mean, you want him and John McCain. I don't know what's going on with those two. You guys have got some hardcore blackmail. Or either that or you just signed on to Total Evil and just like, you know what, screw them. There are a bunch of maggots that need to be stepped on. You know, we could start a whole new we could start a whole new country together and just eliminate all these all these weirdos and we'll get a bunch of people that we can control and everything will be fine. Now Barack Obama said he's not nervous. Actually, you know what? Let me play this set up this next clip. Because this is what Barack Obama said. Remember, we do have the internet, people. So we can actually go back and look at what you guys said. So um, here we go. Uh, I think this is it. This is the uh, civilian labor. Oh, yeah. Hold we on. cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful just as strong, just as well-funded. Everything's fine, though. So, remember, 
we need to set up a domestic security force that's just as strong and just as well funded. So um, here's a guy saying that we're building a domestic army, and he's a conspiracy theorist because the president told me five, you know, seven years ago or six years ago that he was going to do this, but now that's a conspiracy theory because you don't have the internet, whatever. Sorry, it's some dead air at the beginning. And hopefully this is going to be loud enough.
He's probably going through so much crap that he doesn't understand, and they just wanted somebody to talk him down, and then the cops come over and shoot him, and it's completely justified. I mean, get upset about this stuff, people. I don't know what else to tell you to do. If I can't get you upset, then then they've won. Then collectivism wins, the global elite win, we all lose. Get ready for the bioweapon. It'll be fantastic. It'll be just peaches. I just don't think that people understand how the ruling class sees you individually. They see you as just cannon fodder. They don't see you as a human. You're not a human to these people. Because you haven't figured out the great game and you haven't maneuvered through the great game, then you're not you're not special. It's all about being special. Have you ever noticed that? In every authoritarian, in every culture where you have a ruling class, it's all about they're special and you're not. With the Germans, it's really easy. With the Soviets, it's kind of difficult because they didn't keep really good records. They they basically just trashed everything. After they saw they were going to lose the war, they just fucking they just went burned everything. So, but the Nazis kept really detailed records, and that's why it's so interesting to read what they were doing. And these people really did. Some of them at the at the highest levels didn't realize what was going on. At the Nuremberg trials, a lot of them were just like, "Well, man, I mean." I'm in the military. My job's to take orders. Can I please say something to the military? If your commander comes to you and says that here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into this town and we're going to occupy this city here in America because of some domestic terror threat or something like that. Please do every American in the entire country a favor and put your weapons down and say no. We don't need that. Do you want to end up like like Egypt, is that what you want? Is that is that the cool thing? I know that I know that popular culture sells you that that shooting people is cool and that that violence is cool and that SWAT teams are cool. That stuff's not cool. That stuff is what authoritarian regimes are made of. You should not want to be on the SWAT team. I mean, if you want to go stop drugs. Go to the freaking border. Go hang out at an Air Force base where they're flying it in on C-130s. That came out last week. Another one. Oh, we busted an Air, an, an, an Air Force airplane with a bunch of cocaine on it. Oh, my God. Iran-Contra, anybody? No. Oh, no, that doesn't happen here in America. America is one of the most corrupt countries in the world now. Which is saying something, because the Russians are pretty damn corrupt, but we're catching up really quick. And you want a Soviet-style, just complete control grid, you know, 21st century crap? That's what you're getting. 22nd? Whatever. I mean, it will be 22nd century crap that they're pulling, where the iPhone has a new app where cops can shut off your ability to take pictures and, and record them and all that good stuff. Oh, that's just complete that's complete freedom. You don't need to tape a god. What would you want to tape a god for? I mean, they're always right. I mean, the cop would never do anything to you that wasn't completely justified. And I'm not bashing on the good cops, guys. We love you to death. 
but get everybody in your department to kind of wake up and say, look, this is not how we should be conducting our operations. All right, so here is the last clip that I've got for you guys today, and then I'll leave me a couple of minutes on the on the last um, little section here. <laughs> and this is the um, once again, it was another it was another um, reason TV article. I didn't cut it up because it's about six minutes. So I'm going to play this for you guys, and then I will be back on the backside. And this is what we're talking about. This is what we want. We want real police. We don't want you to come in and talk about revenue generating. No. We'll find a way to raise money, guys. We'll find I, I would be more than happy to pay a little bit higher taxes if you guys weren't around harassing everybody. I'll be perfectly fine with that. So and like I said, a lot of cops join the force for a for the feeling of camaraderie to be able to go out and do really good things, and there's no way I could do your job. I could not go into the trailer park and break up a domestic disturbance, and I know that that's like the most dangerous call to go on because people, you know, tensions are already high, and it's already gotten way out of hand if you've gotten called. So here is the last clip for the night, and then I will get you guys on the back side. Thanks for listening, everybody. Share the broadcast with people that you know and you love and that you believe love liberty and you believe think the same way that we do, that this is all a bunch of crap and it needs to stop. And it won't just stop by us talking. We have to get out in the streets. So to my fellow Atlanteans, I will, um, if anybody's going to be at the banner hang tomorrow, I will see you there. If not, I will be there by myself, hanging my banners. And yes, I'm going to protest the puppet, Barack Obama, for Benghazi. I mean, and everybody says, well, there's no direct correlation. Listen, Bill Clinton got a BJ and almost got voted out of office, okay? I'm pretty sure if we can get some some real people to step forward about what really happened in Benghazi, about the transfer of the missiles and having the CIA, you know, right down the road and having them stand down, I mean, that doesn't come from Joe Bob. I mean, maybe he panicked. He's like, I don't know, man, tell him to, tell him to hang out. Tell him to hang out. I'm going to go smoke a joint and go to bed. I don't know. I have no idea what goes on in that man's head. Could I do the job of president? I would never want that job. No way. That would probably make me a great president because I don't want the job. Most of those guys are narcissistic, just complete crazy people. And that's why they want the job. So I can't remember who said that. Uh, Eisenhower or whatever. Anyway, longest setup in the history of setups for this clip, but enjoy, everybody. I'll see you on the backside. When I first heard about the quotas, I was appalled. You know, I got in law enforcement because I wanted to serve and protect, not be a bully. You're way beyond encouraging productivity at this point. Now you're, you know, you're, you're encouraging police officers to act unlawfully. Auburn, Alabama is home to sprawling plains, the Auburn University Tigers, and a questionable police force. After the arrival of a new police chief in 2010, the department entered an era of ticket quotas, a common thread tying Auburn PD to other departments in Alabama and even nationwide. Air Force veteran and Auburn native Justin Hanners was a police officer on the force who felt compelled to speak out. The role of police in society, I believe, are to interfere with the lives of the people as little as possible, but protect them from you know, the 1% element that wants to victimize them. You know, let them be free to, to live their lives, but protect the people and the property. And that's, that's what they pay us to do. 
when I first started in 2006, everything was great. Morale was high. The officers, we had cookouts together. We worked hard and, you know, we pushed each other to be our best and, uh, you know, had great relationship with the public. But uh, in 2010, things just immediately took a turn. Auburn PD's new police chief, Chief Dawson, had new priorities and new marching orders, orders that the chain of command obeyed without objection. Just in recorded conversations between his sergeant, Sergeant Neal, and the other officers to keep tabs on any foul play. He came in and, you know, they immediately started pushing for tickets. Officers will have 100 contacts per month for minimum. 40 of those may be warnings for traffic. The other 60 will be divided between traffic citations, non-traffic citations, field interviews, and custodial arrests. Do not be the one that does not get 100. That's 72,000 contacts a year in like a 50,000 person town. One thing Sergeant Neal did was the rod and the carrot method. You know, if you didn't get the, the number of tickets he wanted, if you didn't get the 100 contacts, you get mandatory overtime, you know, you get written up. But if you did do well, the officer who wrote the most tickets and the one that came in second were given gift cards for like steak dinners and things like that. Quote, God, that's freedom. Uh, pervert police priorities. Bradley Balco is an investigative journalist for the Huffington Post and author of the new book, Rise of the Warrior Cop. He says that these quotas are an invitation to corruption and bad policing. There's going to oh, be a no. strong uh, incentive for police officers maybe to find offenses where they didn't exist. Sergeant Neal started instructing me and my partner to arrest people that we didn't feel like had broke the law. Stay active it's Saturday night. Right here, let's uh, make some contact with us in jail. Oh, we signed up to write tickets and harass people. Neat fun stuff. Night. We saw a guy walking on the sidewalk. He was staggering a little bit, but he was, you know, walking quietly to himself. He was on the sidewalk, wasn't stepping out in the street. We thought, well, it's clear he's been drinking. We'll at least contact him, make sure he's okay. So we get out on him, we contact him. He knows who he is, where he is, where he's going. We determined that he's good to go. We let him go. Well, our sergeant saw it and told us to go back and arrest him. He pointed to me and said, you need it for your stats. So I told him it's not about what I need, it's about what he needs, and he doesn't need to go to jail. So he got out of the car and, and you know, ordered us to arrest him, and I still refused, and my partner, you know, scared for his job, you know, went ahead and arrested the guy and took him to jail for public intoxication. So you have a policy that encourages police to create petty crimes and to ignore serious crimes, uh, and that's I mean, that's clearly the, the very opposite of what we, want, what we want police officers to be doing. Justin repeatedly expressed his concern about the quotas and the way things are being handled to his entire chain of command. He followed up with a formal grievance process to the director of public safety, but to no avail. The director said that these requirements were necessary for increasing productivity. You have to question the leadership there <laughs> if... if <laughs> um, officers need to have that sort of incentive just to perform their jobs. I think personally that it's, it's revenue driven. At the same time that they're trying to raise property taxes, the same time they're trying to raise sales taxes, they're pushing us to get more tickets. And they're telling us they don't want these little fixed tickets. They tell us that they want, quote, meat tickets, something with a fine. They'll look over your tra traffic log, and if you've got a bunch of low fine or no fine tickets, they're going to tell you to switch and do more speeding, more red lights, more, more, you know, things like that. There's not that many speeders. There's not that many people running red lights to get those numbers. So what officers do is lower their standards. When you're hmm. issuing citations, you're forcibly taking money from people, from citizens, um, and you're, you know, you're putting points on their driving records. I mean, you're inhibiting the their freedom in a lot of ways. These kind of no, policies, the, the no, ticket quotas and the heavy-handed enforcement will affect the, the lower-income populations the most. And when you write somebody two or three $164 tickets in a month, They've got to make some choices that month. You know, that's, you know, that that's, you know, groceries. You know, that's maybe food or clothes for kids. That might be, you know, 
uh, car or house payment. It wasn't long before Justin had to start worrying about his own finances after the department made it clear that if he continued to speak out, it would cost him his job. During the grievance process, they try to squash on technicality. You know, they try to mm -hmm. talk me out of it. You know, try to buddy buddy up with me, get it to drop it. Then they, once all else failed, they started threatening my job and my career, warned me that there'd be consequences for doing this. I had no intention of dropping. You know, at this point, I, I had no choice. I had to, I had to keep going forward, and, and if I stopped, it, nothing would have changed. That just would be another, you know, minor hiccup. Justin was fired, and while the department declined reason yes. to these requests for information on the case, Justin says he was ultimately fired for violating a gag order. Okay. When they, they called me and fired me, you know, the first thing that went through my mind was my kids. You know, I'm the, the primary breadwinner. I don't know how the bills are going to get paid, and you know, I didn't know what I was going to do as far as a new career. You know, all my eggs were in this law enforcement basket. You know, it's what my calling was. It's what I've always wanted to do. Justin hasn't found a new job. He's currently looking for a lawyer to take up his case and sue the department. Though, after reaching out to the Police Benevolent Association for guidance, he found out that his grievances were actually pretty common. They're like, basically, here we go with this again. It's a problem in more places than Auburn. This is a frequently occurring thing, and it's a battle with a lot of different officers and departments. While Justin will continue his battle on the legal front, he thinks that the fastest way to get the city back on track is public accountability. Once the people know, they can hold their elected officials accountable, and <laughs> it, it'll change. You know, officers have tried for years to change it from the inside, and they're either forced out or just leave from frustration. And, and what you end up with is a police department where the good officers have been run off, and you have a bunch of officers that are just willing to play the game. They want to be the bullies. You know, they want to show how bad they are with the badge, and that's what you get left with. Which is what they want. Woohoo! Yay, authoritarianism! God, isn't it fun? God, isn't being a slave just awesome? I mean, you get little trinkets that the other slaves didn't get when we were, you know, a couple generations ago. I mean, we get Xbox and we get Internet and stuff like that now, but... Whoo, that is freedom right there. Don't you go telling people, boy, that we're making you rap tickets and just harassing people. I'm going to take your job. Like, what a bunch of trash, man. Oh, my God, what a bunch of trash. And he says it, you know, it's a bigger problem. And here we go again. They're told to do this stuff. You heard the guy on the clip saying, everybody's got 100 contacts minimum. And you don't want to be that guy that misses out on them contacts. Whatever happened to us? We pay your salary, you fat piece of crap. What happened to uh, the people? This is so retarded. I mean, I wasn't a great history student, but I'm pretty sure that when I read the Constitution, it, the very, very first sentence, we the people... We, meaning us, the individual citizens, the sovereigns, give you guys the permission to do a few certain things. But then we're going to have this Bill of Rights right here that's going to keep you from doing things that have always happened throughout history with tyrants and oppressive governments and just oppression in general. I mean, is it that difficult? Do we need to go back to a remedial history class, everybody? But what's so is in, incredible is that the way that the state will take and suck all the money out of all of us and then give it to a class of people that it knows that it can manipulate. And by holding the manipulation over their head, knows it can get them to do whatever they want. 
So it is it is a battle for the minds of the free individuals out there. And that's what we're facing. It is absolutely terrifying, it, especially when you look around at the dumbed-down public we have here in America. And I'm not saying that you people are not smart. You've been conditioned to act the way that you act. You've been conditioned when somebody brings up something that is out of your scope, that is out of something that you've researched or you've been told or you've done this, then your first, your first gut reaction is to reject that theory. Reject it. No, 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 I've never heard that, so I'm going to say no. I say you're lying to me. The television wouldn't lie to me. Alex Jones is a racist. I mean, they're on television. Look at them. They've got, they've got a set. They've got all this stuff around them. People are listening. People are watching. They're listening and watching because they're like you. And then the fact that they get some kind of reflected glory from having the television tell them how smart other people that think like them are. It's really that simple. It's like, well, I can't be that. I mean, I can't be that misled. Look at all these other people that think the same way I do. Do you remember how many people used to think the world was flat? It's what's called universal truth, everybody. There are very simple terms that will actually incredibly – or well, let's see. What's a good way to put this? There are a few terms that if you understand basic psychology will really free your mind up to go into a different – stratosphere that you've ever thought you could. Understanding culture, understanding human behavior, understanding why people do the things they do, understand the very simple test. If you guys want to do something, we did this in college because once again, marketing nerds, we just thought it was great to manipulate people. Didn't realize how bad we were getting manipulated until I got older, but fun test. Get three people any three people you want, all go together, just go hang around a building that's got a big elevator in it, okay? And then I want all three of you people, when you get onto the elevator, I want you, instead of facing the door like good Americans, you know how Americans face the door and then spread out the furthest way apart. It just shows you how really conditioned we are. Everybody gets in like a little corner of the elevator. I want the three of you to go in and... Just stand with your back facing the door. And about one out of every five people will will turn and look the same way that you do. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. That's how conditioned people are. It's like, oh, well, that's what the rest of society is doing? I need to do that. So understand that political correctness, following the herd... All of these things are going to lead you, lead you into authoritarianism because people that want to dominate and control other people don't care about you. And if that's the one thing that I can portray to my audience every day is that if you understood how insignificant these people believe you are, you would be just as mad as I am. That's all I got for you tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, Share the broadcast with people you know and you love. Spread love. Spread liberty. Spread information. Try to get people to have knowledge. And let's have an intellectual revolution. Do we need a bunch of people running around in black uniforms and SWAT tanks and stuff to quote-unquote keep us safe? No, we don't need that. I mean, just use your noodle. Do you need that? No, probably not. 
So once again, everybody, get a friend, get informed, get involved. If you want to get involved in Atlanta tomorrow and you're anywhere near the perimeter area, hit me up on Facebook. You can find me under Jake Counts, or you can go to the We Are Not Cattle page and find me there. Or hit me up on Twitter, We Are Not Cattle, the number one. And uh, go like, like my YouTube channel. I need six more likes, and then I will bring back the video podcast. So I know that a bunch of people are excited. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Share the broadcast. Love, liberty, and freedom, everyone. Take care. You deserve your freedom. Freedom. Yeah, it's in the feeling that you need freedom.